You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale, and if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Welcome to episode 43 with Francesca Cesario and we talk about everything exciting from her studies in engineering and deciding to go into engineering from being an athlete to going into rock climbing and then deciding to be a mountain guide and everything in between. We talk about the cool things on are you really doing what you should be doing or are you doing what you really want to be doing in life and with all that are the challenges that come with it but also this lady has no scariest moments whatsoever so I share with you one of my scariest moments instead. Enjoy the podcast and I'll speak to you guys next week. So Francesca welcome to the She's Unshakable podcast. So excited to have you with us today. Finally we've managed to find a time for us to be able to do this podcast together which is exciting. So I would love to know, before we get going into getting to know you a little bit better, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit more about your morning routine, because I know that you've got one, and I know that you want to share it. Of course. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to share a little bit of my story, hoping I could motivate more than one that listens to this podcast. So <laughs> my regular routine, I try to do this on a daily habit. Some days aren't the best days, but what I do is I wake up. I do a few minutes of meditation, and it's just a regular meditation, just a moment to relax, you know? And right after that, I read at least for 30 minutes. I, I got into reading habit, and there's so many books you want to read, so at least 30 minutes I read, which I wish I did more. <laughs> and, and then I do a workout, and my workout depends on my training schedules, but a regular morning workout is doing a little bit of cardio, abs, and strength. And then in the afternoon is when I do like my more focused training. Nice. I drink water. I do a little bit of journal. I write in my day what I want to achieve in that day and how I'm feeling too. And I take my dogs to the park, have breakfast, and then I start my day. Yes. That is a great morning routine. Sounds very similar to mine. I love it. <laughs> like, yep, always trying to get the reading done in the morning, write my journal, do some meditation, have, a, have lots of water. Um, and yeah, start the day. I love that you can, that you've got to take the dogs out as well. Like I, although I don't have a dog myself, I love being able to be at my parents or looking after someone else's dog so I can go for a walk with them. Cause I love, I love kind of having that excuse. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's like an active meditation. Just it is. Connecting with they make me so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Cool. So um, obviously you're, you're a mountain guide now and you know you're doing some startups as well. But I'd love for you to tell a little bit more of your bit of a backstory as to where you've come from and what you've done with your life so far. Yeah, of course. Well, it's hard to say in a few sentences what you've done in your <laughs> life because I'm the kind of people that are always trying to think about what I've done to it until today that has brought me here. So it's going to be interesting to get into this subject. Well, my name is Francesca Cesario. I'm 32 years old. I studied to be a sound engineer, but I am cur currently dedicating my life to adventure. 
I strive to have a balance in between what I do as an entrepreneur and my job as a mountain guide and an athlete, right? (laughs) Um, Where do I come from or how did I start in this path? Well, my parents were missionaries. I grew up in a missionary group and I think I attribute that to my love for nature because we always spent, we had like habits, spending time in the park, we used to camp, we lived in a motorhome so we were always traveling and living in campgrounds. That was until I was 10 years old. So that's my background, and I could attribute it to what I do as a mountain guide now that I'm traveling and I'm connected with nature, but I wasn't an athlete or connected to any sport when I was a kid. It was just helping others and traveling. (laughs) So good. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's where I come from. And well, right now I run several businesses in the outdoor industry. I am currently working on my most recent startup. So we can say I keep myself busy and I'm always looking for new challenges to work towards. And so we know that you, you know, that you were an engineer and that now you've turned mountain guide. I'd love to know like what sort of got you first into mountain guiding? What made you take that step? Like what was your call to adventure? Yeah, well, it's a good thing to talk about because I think this can motivate others to follow what makes them happy, right? Yeah. I, like, literally, I started rock climbing. I got into adventure thanks to rock climbing when I was 23. I wasn't that young, as a lot of people can think. And (laughs) climbing changed my life for good. Before rock climbing, I didn't really uh, have any goals in my life or I didn't, I hadn't even finished high school, literally. And I started rock climbing, and my mindset started to change. I decided to study an engineering because I was into DJing back then. So that's the closest what I could have done, like profession of what I did as a DJ, right? But I didn't even have high school, so I started working towards finishing my high school. I started looking into getting into the only university that had this career, and it was a private university, so I really needed to get a scholarship, and I worked towards that goal. And I don't know, just in general, that's how I started this goal path. I've been marking myself. But while I was studying my engineering, I still had to work to pay my my other part of the tuition. So I wanted to find a job that could help me keep active and, well, yeah, get, get, get money to pay my school, right? Yeah, for sure. So, so I live in Monterey, Mexico, which is really, really hot. And in the summer, you can't really rock climb. It's just very odd hours where you get to rock climb. So I started doing canyoneering. We have a lot of water canyons down here. And the heat is like 45 Celsius. So it's very Wow. Hot. Yeah, that's hot. So I started canyoneering first to get my mind off the heat and I couldn't climb. And then after I started seeing I could do that as, as, as a guide. So I started getting certified as a canyoneering guide. And that's how I could pay my tuition. And then, yeah, I still kept doing my school right there. It wasn't really an active, uh, like a conscious decision of, you know, I want to dedicate my life to adventure. It was just a way to keep active, doing what I love, being in nature and keeping active and pay my school, right? The engineering degree took me six years to complete because I would pay for it and it wasn't an easy task. Um, And in that time, I was working as a guide. Um, six years is a long, long time. So there's a lot of shifts in life and turns. And I had like a, a moment that really marked a, like 
uh, before and after in my life. And that's when I started going into um, mountaineering. I first started it as a way to disconnect from my daily routine, my stress from engineering school. And I would just go to the mountains and disconnect, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I found a new passion. Even though I had already been in rock climbing and canyoneering, it's very good to mention that every a discipline in the mountains different. It needs different skills. It needs mm-hmm. different technical skills. It needs different mindset. It is need different um, gear, you know? Yeah. So this was a new world for me, and I started discovering it. I started doing it as a hobby. Well, not a hobby, as a sport. And and I put myself a goal to go to Argentina to climb Aconcagua, which is Mexico, um, North America, no, America's tallest mountain. It's in, our, in the Andes. And I put that as a goal because I was already thinking of what I wanted to do with my life. Even though I love music, I love what I do as an engineering, I attribute my love to investigation and knowledge to that. But I didn't see myself working for somebody else, you know? Like, I just wanted to be free. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It was, I was two years, like three years away from graduating. I had no idea what I was going to do in my engineering degree. Why? Because I spent my whole life working, not my whole life, my whole career working as a mountain guide. So it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do as an engineer, you know, like you're paying tons of money to study in the best school in your country. And you're just thinking about being in the mountains. So like socially, it's not accepted. And it it makes you have a lot of uncertainties if you're taking the right path. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's good to mention, I started working since I was 13 years old. So I've worked in all kinds of jobs. Like I was a waiter, I was a bartender, I was working at a call center, like all kinds of jobs. So I have already experienced working for other people, you know, and it wasn't for me. That's why I can say it's not for me. Especially because I'm always, I'm very different. I, I grew up being a very different person, you know, different in the way of thinking, always being the black sheep, you know, and with this, I mean, it's like, um, it's not easy to fit in what society says you should be doing, right? To be successful, to be, I don't know, married and had a kid, you know? Yeah. So, so when I decided to go to the mountain, to this mountain, it was like a uh, challenge for me, firstly, because it's expensive to travel in the mountains, and Secondly, because this was a, de- a decision for me, if I actually wanted to be doing this as a profession with my life. So I went to Argentina. It was an awesome expedition. And of course, what happened is I just fell in love more and more with this world of mountains. And I said, I definitely want to do this uh, consciously. This was back in 2015. And when I came back, I started deciding to take other certifications more focused on wilderness first responder, mountain rescue, and a little bit more mountaineering. So I started guiding in our Mexican mountains, which is Pico de Orizaba, which is well-known worldwide. And I I, I continue doing my school, but it's like, this is what I want to do when I finish, you know? So now that I've graduated from engineering school, my next goal is to continue my my path towards being a professional mountain guide. And if I can, I'll get certified in the EFMGA. That's one of my next goals. <laughs> so did you do anything with within engineering, apart from obviously the, the kinds of engineering that you do within a mountain guide, but did you, did you do any sort of career within engineering or did you just go straight into mountain guiding? 
Well, on the side, I have a lot of projects. So I was working in an investigation center. I, lo I love investigation. I love science. So we were working in an investigation center, um, trying to find a way through, how do you say it in English? It's called, well, it was called acoustic for health, right? Okay. Trying to find a way to characterize um I'm trying to, to, to make the translation, but it was focused on trying to find early detection on depression thanks to acoustics um, things we would do, like tests on oh, people, okay. get it? Yeah, yeah. But when you're on investigation, you don't get paid, <laughs> so you have to work a lot before you get paid, and it wasn't like easy for me at that moment, so I just decided to leave that on hold. Okay. I have a couple of investigations I have to continue on my own, which are also... They're actually related to music, not to music, to acoustics and mountains. But I think everything comes at the right time. But yeah, I just graduated and it's like, now I'm free to go do the mountains without having to use my school vacations to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's how I jumped in and it just continued. That's awesome. So, I mean, we talk about all the things that we should be doing. And I, one of my, the recent podcasts is about, are you shitting on yourself? And, you know, we all get this. We all know that there's one person or two people or however many people in our lives who think that it's okay to tell us what we should be doing with our lives. Did you ever come across or did you ever have that, not only the feeling or maybe even people telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing with your life? Yes, I think I think even if we don't have a person telling us directly, like society does that job for everybody, you know, like telling what we should be doing, TV, movies, books, yeah. school. School was a big influence because the school I went to, it's a high class school and like you could find the opposites, right? The people that had everything and the people that were working really hard to get what where they wanted to and just living in this context, it's like where money doesn't have a meaning for you, where, where experience has way more sense and fulfills your life better. So there's a lot of like, there's like a mental crash. It's like, what, why am I doing this? I know this is what I want to be doing, but what are they going to think? But what's my mom going to do? You know what I mean? Like you start doubting about yourself. Of course. And yeah, of course I had this in my life. And it's funny because I think we all have this. And what I say is that we only need one person to believe in what we want to achieve. And that's more than enough to follow the path, you know. And that person could be yourself. Yeah. Sometimes it has to be an external person that believes in you. It's like, dude, your goals and dreams aren't crazy. You could achieve them, right? And just by that person telling you that you'll believe in yourself, sometimes it takes external um motivation but it's also something within us and we believe that what we're doing is what we actually want to do and we follow that path i have this quote that says when we follow our path we're when we follow our true passion we're closer to our purpose in life right and normally our passions are rare things they're not common or they're just it could be i don't know taking dogs to the park and having a <laughs> shelter for dogs. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it doesn't have to be something big, but it's what makes you happy, right? So, yeah, we've had that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And what do you feel like was the the thing that gave you the courage to go and continue pursuing, you know, being in the mountains and doing what you love? 
In general, firstly, it was knowing that it was something that really filled me, right? Yeah. I've tried so many things, I've been around, I've traveled, I've done a lot of things, but I've always felt something was missing. And when I'm in the mountains, either guiding or doing a, a sports goal, I just feel myself. I, I return to myself, you know? You feel you're closer to that self that you get lost in the way because of the busy world and everything that goes around. So you go back to yourself, and I think any place that makes you go back to your true self, that's where you should be. I love that about the mountains as well, just that feeling that you get when you're standing on top of a peak and there is no one else around and you've just got all these mountains and snow-capped mountains and it just feels like you're on top of the world and there's no one else that can say anything to you or do anything and you know what I mean yeah it's like just being at peace like yeah there's so many feelings and I know mountains teach us everybody something different yeah. so like when I when I started um getting certified as, as to to do this as a profession already it changed my perspective of what I would do as an athlete why because as an athlete it's just for yourself yeah and as a guide now I share that feeling with tons of people and I could share this path of being a mountain guide and living off what I'm passionate about hasn't been easy so what I always say is be the person you needed when you were younger so by being a mountain guide I could share like what I've learned in these 10 years maybe it's not a lot maybe it is for others that are starting and you could just make that path easier for others, you know? Like, why should they struggle what you struggled? So, yeah, sharing with others what I do in the mountains is actually what gives it a bigger purpose of what I do as a mountaineer. Yeah, I love that. love that so much. So tell me, what kind of challenges have you faced along your way of, well, not only being at school, but also getting into your mountain guiding and, and choosing that as your path? Mm, yeah. Well, the first challenge, like I think a lot of people that are going, following their passion without like a solid background, maybe without parents being in the sport or mm-hmm. the profession, is the economics, economical side, you know, the financial side. That has been a very big struggle, but I have always been able to go through it because I work hard. Other struggles is finding a balance in between being an athlete and a mountain guide, it's very different because as an athlete, you push yourself to other limits. You don't do it as a mountain guy, right? And when you're doing it as an athlete, you're more prone to injuries. So if you're working off being a mountain guy, you cannot afford getting injured because you stop work, right? Yeah. So that's one of my biggest battles have been injuries because I have had to fully stop working because of it. So now... It's not that I stopped being an athlete, but I am more conscious that I cannot get injured. So I'm more focused on what I do and specific goals. So yeah, setbacks have been a lot of them. Uh, Injuries, because you don't only get injured physically, your mind also gets injured. So you have to like keep a healthy mind and a healthy, healthy body to be out there guiding, you know? Yeah, 100%. And obviously you're, you know, stretching in the mornings or doing your your exercise and then doing more focused exercises in the evenings. But what do you do for your mental strength apart from potentially journaling in the mornings? For my mental training, what I do when we can be outside, because right now we can't be outside, is take a lot of time for myself. Rock climbing is one of my, like, 
biggest mental training, okay? Mm -hmm. Because that's more like one-on-one on what you can do. I talk to myself when I'm rock climbing. He's like, you can do this. Or come on, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. Like I've been on a multi-pitch, like maybe 400 meters off the ground, and they start to panic. It's like, Fran, come on, man. You came all the way up here by yourself. Why Why are you wanting to quit? It's like, oh, it's true. You know what I mean? So it's one of the ways. And with little habits as well. There are habits that aren't focused on what I do as a sport, but like reading is one of my mental habits. Mm -hmm. It's keeping my mind busy with positive things. Reading is one of my mental habits. I listen to podcasts. I listen to motivational like conferences of people I admire. I read biographies of others are achieving great things. You know, I try to identify myself with people that are also having a hard time with their life and reading about that because I think in social media and society, we're always like seeing success as if it's off off our reach, of everybody's reach. But I think we could all achieve that point if we actually work towards it, right? So I try to also learn from people that are having a hard time, not that they're already on the top. And what other habits do I have? I, I just regular habits like learning a new language, you know, just keeping my mind busy because if we let our mind wander wander off it could be our worst enemy and I I I love that in a sense that you know I think so many of us fill up our brains and fill up our everything that goes on in our mind with with negative negative news wherever whether it's coming from the news whether it's coming from watching movies or films or anything like that that often doesn't actually give us much pleasure apart from sitting on the couch and not and you know relaxing but I love the fact that you fill up your time with positivity and I'm the same like I will watch or listen to motivating um, videos or or speeches and I also love reading because I know that I'm growing and I'm learning something and I find that that is that in itself so simple and so easy yet and takes no time and can have such a massive impact on your life and the way that you think and the way that you do things as well and I'm the same with you know with social media it's so easy to get caught up in comparison and looking what other people are doing and how they're living their lives and no one actually really shares the struggles or what's going on behind the scenes which is exactly why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place so that people can actually understand that it's not all shiny diamonds and, and, you know, yachts and expensive cars. There's a lot of other things that go on behind the scenes as to where people have come from and, and what they've done to get to where they are as well. So thank you for sharing. I, I love that. And habits. Oh, my goodness. Habits are the number one thing that we can all do. You know, if we get in a good habit of something, it can change everything for people. Like, and, and same again. Super duper simple. Um, I love that. I love that so much. We say it's simple now that we're used to it and it's part of our routine. Maybe it's not that simple for somebody that wants to start but doesn't know how. But, like, what I could share is, like, we can all start where we're at now. Like, it doesn't mean maybe I have a longer time doing my habits. For me, it's easier. But, like, I started from scratch one day. I wasn't the person I am today. If you would have met me two years ago, this wasn't wouldn't be the friend you you would meet you know we're all in constant evolution and having these habits will make us grow closer to like being our unique self as an athlete like like I strive to to use my image to 
to, to, to motivate people to try to be themselves, right? Because we live in such a fake world because of social media and everybody's str striving to be someone else. And they forget that what makes us special is just being ourselves because we're the only people in the world with those specific characteristics, right? So yeah. one time I was in a podcast and, the, and the, the person asked me, he's like, what is beauty for yourself? I'm like, well, being yourself. And like, what makes you special from others? I'm like, well, the same, being myself. He's like, <laughs> okay, what makes you better than another person? I'm like, nothing makes me better because nobody is like me, you know? Yeah. So, like having this, this mindset, and I also strive a lot for trying to keep like talking about mental health because there's so much stigma out there so as an athlete I, I like to climb towards um, mental health consciousness because we forget the importance of having mental health I think well maybe in your country there's more culture about it but over here in America it's not common to talk about mental health and there's a lot of stigmas and by doing all these habits that have our mind healthy it's not because I have a mental illness, but I have been surrounded with a lot of people with a mental illness. In my family, I have a brother with an illness. And, like, it's just so common to have a mental illness, but nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. And what we forget is that we could all have an illness at a certain point. So we're living our busy lives, and we forget about our mental health, even physical health, but a little physical, maybe we've been told since kids, you know? mentally you know and that's why I try to share all these things you know it's like maybe somebody clicks is like hey maybe I'm not being healthy because my, my mind is not healthy I need to get help you know that it's okay to get help sometimes we feel sad sometimes we feel happy I don't know connect a little bit more with how we're feeling mm -hmm. firstly avoid an illness but if we have it as well there's nothing wrong with it there's a lot of people that have it more than we know <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know what understanding and knowing that you you don't have to be happy all the time you know I feel as though some people think that they have to be you know crazy laughing and and have all of this everything they want all the time whereas actually it's totally okay to have days where you don't feel as good as you would normally or you know there's you've got lots of other things going on in your mind I think we we often are so hard on ourselves for maybe the way that we think and that's almost deteriorating in itself rather than actually saying, okay, I'm having a day um, to just do myself, be myself, whether that is go for a walk, to walk the dogs or to go out to the mountains or do something that you love to reconnect to yourself and to your heart so that you can really just get back out and start the start again the next day. Definitely. I think it's impossible to be happy all the time. Time. I think what's healthy is actually that, recognizing how we're feeling. Like, there's days that I don't even want to see the world out there. There's days that I feel happier than others. Like, it's very normal because yeah. we're, in con we're humans. We're mm -hmm. not in a straight line. We will have ups and downs, right? What is not healthy is trying to hide how we're feeling, yeah. you know? It's like, it's better to just know what you're feeling, deal with it, it will go, it will, it will pass, everything does pass, even the hardest, hardest moments, like I always say, there's always a light at the end of every tunnel, so the sun always shines behind every dark cloud, you know, like there's harder days than others, but to, to, to recognize it, right, and also if we're having a, like, a harder battle, it's okay to get help, you know, it could be professional help, it could be therapy, it could talk with a friend, you know, and it's good to know 
that we're not the only ones going through it. Because I think sometimes we forget and we think the only ones that are having a hard life and why is life so hard to us. But believe me, more people than you know are going through the same thing you're doing, going or maybe even harder, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Talking about it is so important and and just not hiding the fact that, you know, you're just having a bit of a tough time. Um, I love that as well. And I think the more we can share that with people, the better it will be because it's so important to just be truthful and honest with what's actually going on with your life rather than pretending that everything's okay if maybe it's not inside. Just, you know, and you're right. Reach out for help if you need it and if you want it or or talk to a friend too, who's going to be there for you and is going to support you as well. Um, yeah. It's good to remember that we all face difficulties, right, in life. But it's not the difficulty itself that will determine our path, but especially how we use it either as an impulse to move forward or or we see it as a setback and just quit, you know? Yeah, and often that hard time is coming up for a reason and it's normally to push you in a, in a different direction or to push you harder in a direction that you're trying to go in. Um, and often people try and hide away from that tension rather than actually using it to propel themselves to wherever it is that they're actually wanting to go. Definitely. I think that part of what I've become today is that the resilience you start to build, like, on everything that's going on, all the struggles you've gone through your life. And I believe that all the difficulties are actually preparing us for what we are going to face in the future or today. And also, like, from there, we'll start building our callous mind, you know, at the end is a big part of what makes us us you know yeah 100 percent. so you mentioned that you've built resilience in your life and obviously you've created a life that you love now and that you're stoked with but what are some of the things that you've had to work through that you feel has not only just grown your resilience but obviously your belief in yourself and and just doing the things that you want to do yeah I think a big part of it was self-development I started to know more about myself and part of my habits is it's learning about self-development in general, like self-esteem, self-love, self-confidence. I think we all grow thinking we have all this knowledge, <laughs> but when you start learning about it, it's like, oh my God, I knew nothing about it. And it's just a whole world to discover. And I think we all have the opportunity to become a better per- version of ourselves. And that's what I strive for. Like, If I w- would have met myself a couple of years ago, I would have hated myself. You know what I mean? I was so unhappy in life. I lived in an unhealthy relationship. I had everything that would supposedly make you happy. And I was the most miserable person, right? And then I started having less material things, but having more um, experiences. And then I realized that it wasn't about what you have, but what you can achieve in life to help others, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, self-development have, have been part of that. I could attribute And also mentors have helped me a lot. Uh, I started to find mentors, and maybe people think, like, oh, a mentor, I have to pay a coach. No, mentors, anybody. Like, you are being my mentor right now because we're sharing thoughts. I'm being your mentor because I'm sharing my thoughts. Like, we can mentor anybody at any moment when somebody asks us a question and we respond. So just being more receptive that we can learn from everybody around us and also that people are learning from us. So mentors have helped me a lot in this self-development path. 
and asking for help as well, you know. I always say, you know, my, my inbox is open if you want a message or you want to have a quick chat. I'm always happy to talk to people. Um, and it's so funny how many people, you know, you'll actually get some people reaching out saying, you know, I'd love to be able to talk about this. But a lot of people would never reach out because they're scared or they're worried or they feel shy or maybe even ashamed of some things. And I think the more we can share that and just say, you know what, we're all here to help each other. There's no judgment. We're all here in this world together. Let's all help each other out so that we can be the best version of ourselves. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that have helped me be where I am today is stop being scared of what other people think. Like the moment I stopped caring of what other people thought about what I said or did or how I looked, I felt the most free person. And and, and that frees you to be yourself. You know, it's not like I'm going to go do bad things and I don't care if they, they, you know, the cops get me. Not that kind of not being scared, but like (laughs) stop thinking so much about yourself, you know, and start doing that. It's like, right. If if you admire an athlete, it's like, right. Hey, how do you get so fast? It's like, hey, how do you take care of your child? How do you bathe your dog? Like, just contact people. Yes, maybe some people are going to leave you on scene, but it's like. Right now, if you would have told me, hey, do you want to be in my podcast? And I tell you no, what are you going to do? You're just going to go ask somebody else. You're not going to be like, oh, I'm never going to ask somebody else to be in my podcast, right? <laughs> so you're people that are going to help you. And not everybody is in this path of sharing knowledge, etc. I've had a lot of struggles with that. But you find a lot of people that like to share what they know. And, like, they become your mentors. Yeah. And, yeah, lose yeah. that fear of asking and reaching out. And they're the people that you want as your mentors anyway. There's no point having a mentor who's not going to share what they know or want to talk to you about anyway. So the more you can ask, the more you're going to find the people that are on your wavelength, which is, yeah, which is awesome. So I'd love, I would love to know, like, tell us um, one of your scariest moments in life. One of the scariest moments in life. Scariest things that you've ever done. Like, it's funny because a lot of people ask me in the mountains, like, what are you scared of? And I always double think that question because I'm not really scared of anything. Like, I could be frightened, but scary is a big big word. But I think (laughs) 2018, the most scariest, like, when I actually felt what being afraid is, is climbing a mountain. I was in Ilimani, which is Bolivia's highest mountain. We were in a very bad weather condition in this season. And two days before me going into this mountain, a mountain friend, a mountain guide friend died in Peru. I was in Bolivia. And I didn't cancel the expedition. We continued. But that's when I experienced, like, real fear. Like, mm-hmm. I could attribute to the mountain condition, but also all the mental... So I wasn't mm-hmm. mentally ready for what I was going to do because, well, losing a friend in the mountains is not easy, especially yeah. when you're about to go into an expedition. Yeah. And that's when I, like, I felt afraid, you know? I think it was a moment where I recognized a lot because that's when I realized I'm not regularly scared of something. You know, being afraid is a very big word. That's how I could put it. But um, what is the most scariest thing I have done? I don't know. Like, 
getting into school, having a part scholarship, and having to pay your tuition once you graduate. <laughs> That's the thing that I've done, but it teaches you so much, you know? I don't know. I am a very, like, a person that always tries, doesn't matter how hard it is, so it's hard to answer that question. Maybe... It almost feels as though, from from your answer with when your friend died, is almost the realization that you're not scared. That was scary. <laughs> it could be. It could be. I think so. Yes. Well, you know, we all know that when we dedicate our lives to mountains, we have these risks that are inherent in what yeah. we do, right? We could also have it in the in the city, but. We have it more, there's more risk in the mountains. And it's not that I'm not aware that it could happen to me or other people, but it's, it's, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's like, I'm not going to the mountains every time I guide or go up there and thinking, this is my last day. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we know it could be. Like, I'm 100% aware it could be my last day, but it's not like I leave my house saying, it's like, maybe this is the last time I see my parents. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're, once I ask a friend, it's like, hey, He's a guide as well. And, like, dude, if you knew, if they could tell you what you would die of, would you want to know? He's like, no. <laughs> kind of like the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult subject. I don't, I maybe I'm laughing about it and people are like, what? Why is she so crazy? But that's like, <laughs> right? It's a cycle, you know? We know it's going to happen sooner or later. It could be right now, it could be when I'm 90 years old, right? Yeah. It's, it's that's and the I, thing it's, it's all happened one day but there's no point in worrying about it otherwise you'll spend your whole life and you'll never live right stop living that's right and that's the thing and that's one of the best the best things i've learned from the mountain is living living in the moment it's like why worry about something that has not happened and why worry about things that already happened just mm-hmm. live in the moment and that frees your mind so much. It's not easy. Sometimes I don't live in the moment. I think it's something we all have to work towards. But it frees your mind and it gives you, like, this liberty to just enjoy the moment, you know, and live fully. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Sometimes I say this to myself. Um, if I'm out in the mountains and I'm doing something that's maybe a little more dangerous than it would be normally, and I say, well, I would much rather have my last day on earth somewhere that I love, doing the things that I love, rather than walking out into the street and being hit by a car. Of course, of course. And at least, you know, everyone in my life would know that I would have passed away in my happy place, which I think is the best thing ever. Really, as sad as it is, it's amazing at the same time. And I think we worry about things so much that it stops us doing anything dangerous or scary because because of that reason and actually it's it's just not yeah I guess it's I guess it's just a way of thinking but I think no it's not only the way of thinking I also attribute that to society because it's part of what are people going to say if I do this what are people going to say if I go out to the super center in my pajamas it's like dude if you want to go in your pajamas you can do it not because people say you have to go dressed up you know what I mean it's like it's part of not worrying of what other people say because it's like imagine you're with this boy you like and you're afraid of what he might think and you never tell him you like him and he never tells you you like him and you both liked each other and you were just both afraid of what the other person thought and like you never knew each other you know what I mean it's like (laughs) yeah you know And, and that happens in life in general opportunities 
sometimes only come once in a lifetime, you know? And we miss them so much by worrying about all this, like, what are they going to say? Oh, maybe it's not the right thing. And then, boom, it's gone. <laughs> and it could be your life opportunity, you know? Yeah, so true. So true. Love it. Um, okay, great. So if we don't have a scariest moment, which is awesome, what do you think would be your best bit of advice that you'd love to give to our listeners? What was your scariest moment? Just a quick... Like, um, my goodness, now you've put me on the spot. <laughs> I have to think about it. Um, what was my scariest moment? You can tell me around when we, when we continue, if you think about something. <laughs> yeah. I'll have a think. Um, but yeah, give us, give us what your best bit of advice would be for our listeners. Well, I think, like, first of all is believing yourself. Because once you do, you will realize how powerful you are. And it also get, helps to get, like, I could um, give you an advice to be comfortable with pain, okay? Because on the other side of pain, there's growth. And if we strive for a balanced life, we, we need to focus on our mental health first and most important, right? And also our physical health. Like, there's a quote that says, a health, healthy body, a healthy mind, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And... You're the only person who could create the life you want. There's no, it's no one else's responsibility. It's only ours. So don't be afraid of taking that path that actually makes you happy and start building the life you want for yourself. It won't be easy. And a lot of people define purpose as a, as a destination. And I have realized that a purpose is a, it's a path, right? So follow your life purpose by doing the things that make you happy and in the way you will help so many people follow that path as well. Yeah, I love that. It's so important and such a valuable lesson to have is just to be, yeah, within within yourself and happy within yourself, mind, body and soul. Um, I just thought of yeah. a scary moment for you. <laughs> no, it, have you been to Chamonix before? Never. Uh, never? It's on my list. Oh, but yeah. okay. So I actually have a plan of going on February of quarantine and anytime soon. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. But hey, we might be able to meet there one day. So in for those of you who are listening and don't know Chamonix, for those of you who do, you'll understand this. But in Chamonix, there's um, the a place called the Agri de Midi, which is a platform where you can see um, Mont Blanc. And you can ski from there. So it's a glacier. And so you put all your kit on to, to ski from there. And in my first season um I used to be a snowboarder when I well when I was really young I used to ski and then I turned into a snowboarder and then um after being at uni I went into a ski team and got back into skiing a little bit but when I did my first season in Chamonix one of my friends said hey I've seen photos of you skiing like you should come skiing with me um and he was a really good friend of mine and still a, a good friend of mine and I said oh I don't know but okay so I went skiing with him and then he said, I'm going to take you up to this place called the Agri de Midi and we're going to ski from there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, had no idea that there weren't any runs, had no idea that it was a glacier. He, he said, okay, this is what you've got to wear. This is your harness. This is your ice screw. This is a sling. Here's a rope, all of this stuff. And I was like, huh, well, I don't really know how to use any of this stuff. And he was like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Just wear it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so we took this lift up all the way to the top. 
and you walk through this cave and you check your avalanche transceiver is working and then you come to a gate which is at the top of this ridge. So if you can imagine that you're looking down this ridge and either side is just a drop. On the left there's a drop that you can't see that's just ice and on the right there's a drop that you can kind of see closer to the bottom. I don't know how how many meters but it's quite far. But either way you don't want to go either side. (laughs) So this was right at the start of the season and often the the pistas, the the guy, the mountain guys will will push out a they'll put like a, a rope down so that you can hold onto the rope, or they'll put down an actual path and actually dig out a path. But they hadn't done any of this, so there was no rope and there was no path. And I was just standing there, and obviously you have to open this gate, and all the dangers are written on this gate at the front, and it says, read this carefully. So I was like reading this, going, What am I doing? Like, why am I up here? Like, where are you taking me? And he was like, honestly, don't worry. You'll be absolutely fine. Like, you're a great skier. You won't, like, don't even worry about it. And so then he ties me up. So he ties me to him um, with his rope. And he just says, start walking down. Um, I can't remember. I must have been wearing crampons to be able to walk down because I don't think there's any way I would have done it otherwise. And he just says, start walking. And he says, if you fall, then I'll just jump over the other side. And I was like, are you for real? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm like, I'm paying attention. And, and, and he knows the mountains. Like he's, he's, you know, he's, he's really up there. So I did trust him. I had a lot of faith in him. Thank goodness. But I was like, this is, this is just next level. And I sort of took my first step. And I was like, okay. But I remember my heart racing and just just not really knowing what I was doing. I had no idea what I was going to be skiing down. I had like literally no clue whatsoever where, like where we were going, what what it was going to be like, what, you know, whether my skis were even going to stay or what, like all of these things going through my head. Luckily we made it down <laughs> totally safe. And then I was like, okay, good. And he was like, right, put your skis on. And then obviously explained the whole, what it was like skiing on a glacier and what you needed to pay attention for and how we would all ski one at a time and all this. And I was like, okay, great. And so then we got to this first drop-in, which is a 45 degree um, drop-in. And we were with two other guys. And he said, right, I want you two guys to go first, then Fleur will go third, and then I'll go last. And there's a Bergström at the bottom. So there's a obviously a, a hole where the glacier starts and uh, you obviously don't want to get caught in in the hole so you have to go fairly fast and cut across like on the on a path where it was mainly filled in and so the first guy goes the first guy falls and falls quite a long way and I'm looking at this and going (laughs) oh my goodness what am I doing like these guys are meant to be better skiers than me like this is outrageous and then the next guy goes and falls again and I was just like oh my goodness, I'm stuck here with two guys, three guys, one that I trust, two that I have no idea what they're doing. And I was just like losing the plot. That's actually all I remember. I don't actually remember the rest of the ski down, but I do remember it being good fun when I'd actually learned to relax because the the scenery was amazing. But just that whole first situation, there's no one else out on the mountain. It was just us in, you know, waist deep powder it was just crazy but amazing experience at the same time would never would never you know imagine anything else now so 
but yeah, that's probably one of my scariest moments. <laughs> it sounds pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's not the place where you want to start to learn, you know, like it's like you're going to learn to the technical glacier, you know, to ski down. It's like, it's not the first timer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't my first time skiing, thank goodness. You know, I actually managed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but yeah, it is um it is different. But hey, that got me into it. I was like, right, I'm I'm hooked. Like this is amazing. <laughs> Tell me all. Then it was from there it was abseiling down everything and yeah, it was great. Um but anyway, thanks, Han. Thanks so much for jumping on. Um is there anything else that you'd love to share with our listeners? Um, any more tips or also where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you too? Yeah, well, firstly, if you ever need to talk about anything or have any questions about anything in general, not only what I do in the mountains, maybe life life questions as well, you can just write me, send me a message, just like me and Floor Connected. And you can find me on Instagram and Francesca Cesaria underscore Facebook. And yeah, let's, let's, let's connect and talk about life. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for jumping on with me. And uh, thank you much for sharing all your goodies as well. Lovely to chat and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five-star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.